Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, the final hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Across the Outkick Network, Chad Withrow with a well-deserved day off. He'll be back with us next week. Uh, Jam-packed show today. Plenty of news and notes to get to throughout the hour. Michael McHenry will rejoin us later. Uh, Plus, Ben Maller, Fox Sports Radio. Right now, we say hello. Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports. uh, College football host and analyst. Late kick with Josh Pate. Pate State on Outkick. Good to see you again, man. Hope things are well. They're good, man. I, I would tell you I'm coming off travel with SEC media days, but it was like five blocks away, so that yeah. was nice. Yeah, same here. I, I loved it. Then you went to Big Ten. Uh, yeah, I was up the road a little bit. Uh, I'll discuss that in a moment. But we're, we're, you know, you have the countdown of, what, 17 Saturdays, 16 Saturdays. We're 23 days away from college football, and the story is more about alignment and realignment moving forward for 2024 and beyond. What do you make of the latest headlines here with Florida State now publicly saying through their trustee and their president, hey, we're, we're looking to move out and we want something done about this within the next 12 months. Uh, and of course, the Big Ten now open to further uh, expansion beyond just USC and UCLA before they even join, which is something I don't think they initially wanted to do. Arizona, Arizona State, uh, their board of regents, their meeting about Big 12 opportunities. Washington is doing that at their university as well. Where are we headed with all of this? And do you think it stops with the the next big move with the Big 12 and potentially the Big 10? No, I don't think so. I uh, could be wrong there because no one ever is able to predict like three weeks ahead of time now. Right. I think firstly, it is... I've kind of shifted my thinking to it's more likely than not that there will be movement out of the ACC. And I I think I was actually on with you guys a few months ago when we were talking about this, which shows you how much things haven't changed really. And I told you then, and I'll reiterate it now, there's some legal minds in the ACC that fully understand the language in that grant of rights deal. They just think they can get out of it, or if not outright getting out of it, obviously they think there is a way to greatly soften the financial blow. it's always a wink and a nod. They'll never show you all their cards, nor should they. But yeah, I think something's going to happen there. I definitely think movement is imminent from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. I think movement is probably imminent from the Pac-12 to the Big 10. I keep waiting for that bombshell, though, the just out of left field, who could have seen this coming move, because that's the way this stuff always seems to happen. And it seems like When you're focused on one thing over here, there's been this other hand behind the curtain that's been working on some bigger deal all this time. And I just, you look at Famel and you look at Dellinger and you keep refreshing their Twitter feeds because any second you could just see a bombshell and you say, wow, I've read everything. I've listened to everything. I've scanned every message board. I could have never guessed this. You say that and I'm automatically thinking to myself, what is Greg Sankey doing behind the scenes? Right. He comes to mind first. And he's the one that's saying, hey, we're already a super conference. We're good. 
we're gonna we're gonna sit tight. I mean, I with Florida State and potentially now Clemson, because they were also in the mix for wanting more money than other programs based on their value to the ACC. How could he not be doing something right now that would be that bombshell? I I think I agree with you. Based on track record, based on what they've said yes to in the past few years, I fully get that. Um, I think the language and the conversation around a lot of this stuff is kind of misguided. Like, I know some people are still in the whole media market mentality. Well, why would we add yeah. FSU and it doesn't add? Dude, we're so past that, I think. We're so past that. The SEC and the Big Ten are past that. Let me put it that way. Those are like college football NFLs where their brand is what matters. Like if you've got that sticker, SEC or Big Ten, you just matter in college football coast to coast. At that point, you're not looking to add media markets. You're looking to up the value of the inventory that you're putting on the shelf. And so if anyone asks me, oh, why would the SEC add Clemson? They've already got South Carolina. Why would you add Florida State? You've already got Florida. Because Georgia versus FSU looks better than Georgia-Missouri on the shelf. That's essentially my answer, regardless of which media market they're in. So, yeah, I could see that. I could also see we wake up tomorrow and the Big 12 has made a move to get FSU and Clemson. And you're like, wow, Big 12. Never would have thought about that. But I guess it'll work. What do you make of the ACC also open to expansion? Like, who would that be? Oregon and Washington makes no sense. Uh, because of the the media rights contract, right? They they can get a hundred million instead of thirty six million. Yeah, that, that makes oh. no sense for, with the travel and across the country. Uh, ACC open to expansion. I'm thinking who who would be the teams that they're looking at, considering who wants out. I'm not sure. Um, I will say, certainly geographically, the teams you just listed make no sense. I don't even know if these people know the word geography anymore. So I want to automatically rule something That's just fair. because of that. Um, the other thing is maybe maybe you look at the proposal the Big Ten could put on the table for Oregon, Washington. It's not going to be a full cut that the rest of the member institutions get, at least for a little while. Now, having said that, it's still going to be way better than whatever the Pac-12 is going to be able to cobble together and offer them. So I guess if you wanted to maybe hold out hope for ACC expansion West, that would be the reason they would listen. But I, I have no I have no idea where this world is that I see the ACC poaching anyone from the far West Coast, I would think that, man, I mean, you're probably looking at like an East Carolina, Tulane, like those kind of brands is probably where my mind would go. Yeah, and that's where they've got to start looking because they applied for the Pac-12, uh, at least Tulane did. Uh, and there were a number of others that I haven't seen on the list. But, I mean, you go to the ACC over the Pac-12. What, what happens here with the Pac-12? We have a Power 5. Do we just decree a Power 4? A lot of people already had. Um, I think it would be more official. Like as, as college football sits right now, if USC went 12-0 and 0 this year, or, or if Oregon, let's say Oregon went 12-0, and 0, I mean, you and I would have no problem putting them in the playoff. We are, we are quickly approaching a point starting like next year maybe where you could be looking at the Pac-12 offering up whatever version of conference champ they have, and we look at it no different than we've looked at a Sun Belt undefeated in the past or a Conference USA undefeated in the past. And people are thinking, well, it's not that bad, Josh. Really? Write those schools on paper and then take away USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, and backfill them with, I don't know, San Diego State and whoever else they put together out there. There's no reason to take that product 
any more seriously than you would have taken G5 conferences in years past. No and doubt. So, no and, doubt. And, well, I mean, and the, I hate that, but with, it is what it is. With the college football playoff expansion, the Power Five are tied in. The, 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 you have the top teams from the Power Five that get the bye. You know, so like I'm, I'm looking at it going that they got to go back to the, you know, the, and rework this a bit. If the power brands of the Pac-12 bolt, they, they this have is to. The story. That's the story right now. Re realignment's not the story that's in front of your face. Yes, I'll grant you that. But following that, I still don't think it's dawned on the general college football public that, yes, you're getting an expanded playoff. That's a two-year agreement. We're going to have it for two years, and then they've got to rework it from pretty much scratch. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have conferences like the SEC and the Big Ten say, over our collective dead bodies, are we about to agree, uh, agree to a structure where six auto bids are given? Just because you got a conference champ checkmark next to your name, that doesn't mean what it used to mean. Now, in my world, I never valued that as an auto bid, but I get why it was put in place. Moving forward, that to me, that's the big point to be focused on here. And it's the one when we move forward after the realignment dust settles that I think the nation is collectively all of a sudden going to realize is, whoa, the playoff framework is not permanent. Whoa, it's only got two years on the contract. Wow, we're talking about everything from what network are those games going to air on to what's the format going to be? What's the criteria to get in? That's all up in the air right now. Josh Pate with us on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Big 12, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, um, their board of regents, their meeting uh, later about the potential of the Big 12 having an in, in, invitation to join. One team would make an even number for the Big 12. Adding two is right where they sit now with an odd number of member institutions. They would want a third. Why, why isn't Utah at the top of the list on their end? It doesn't feel like they've embraced this all that much. Reports where they weren't picking up the phone. They didn't want to follow BYU, their rival, to the Big 12. I mean, don't you have to have just like a, a come-to-Jesus meeting with this and think, yeah, we've got to go. This makes sense. We, the, foreigner, the, the corner institutions that the Big 12 was talking about come together and join at the same time. So I did some radio out in Salt Lake City yesterday, and we talked about this. And I was really inquisitive. I was very unprofessional because I was the guest asking the questions. Yeah, but Here's what I gather. I think the folks at Utah believe there is a Big Ten invitation coming eventually for them, but it's not coming in this round. And so the big internal strife there right now is do we take maybe the guaranteed early offer from the Big 12 or do we bide our time, hang out in whatever the Pac-12 is, probably be the top dog out here mm -hmm. at that point, and then three years from now, cash like the golden ticket going to the Big Ten. But my, my rebuttal to that, not knowing anything more than that, would be over what three-year period in the past decade has anything been predictable 36 months out? Because I, we're talking about three-week stretches right now where it feels like the sport turns upside down. And we're certainly talking about 12-month by 12-month stretches where if you had the key insider, like if you knew athletic directors and university presidents even, you would not have been able to predict what was going to happen over that 12-month stretch. So to think there's a 36-month stretch here, I'm just using that as an example. Sure, yeah. There's three or four year time period where you don't think anything's going to change. Whew, that's a big gamble. That is a really big gamble. Could the third team be what was rumored that your mark is standing on the table for in UConn? 
yeah, it could be. I think there's been smoke there. I think it's been legitimate. Um, that's the one I probably know the least about. Like I've I've read what people have read, but outside of that, I know UConn's been ready. Like UConn, UConn has already embraced the idea that this is a formality. We're going. It's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, so far, we haven't seen the when. I guess. Why do they feel the need that they have to go? Is it just the simple payout with the with the TV money, or is it more than that? It, is it about being a part of whatever happens? in this pact of super conference, whenever that comes about, it may be 36 months from now. Yeah, I think um, it's a little both. Certainly the payout's nice, even if it's reduced in nature, uh, it's better than what you're getting right now. And also UConn doesn't have options like some of these schools do, or like an Oregon would have an option. UConn doesn't. So you've got to get on that train. I'll tell you for those a little bit older, when I was a really, really little kid, I still was not old enough to watch the Southwest Conference, but certainly you can watch documentaries. You get to learn the history of college football and you realize, wow, Rice used to be in what we would call a power conference. What happened to them? Well, when the Southwest Conference dissolved, there was nowhere for them to land. Houston was kind of the same way. There's nowhere for them to land. Houston only just now got back to the head table in the Big 12. So UConn and the powers that be up there look at that and say, we cannot be Rice 2.0. We cannot let that happen to us. We got to jump aboard whichever train we can and just make sure we're on it when it starts moving. Josh Pate with us uh, from SEC and Big Ten Media Days. You're sitting across from the top coaches and the power uh, in college football. Favorite chat that you had uh, at either one? What comes to mind? I I loved Ryan Day at Big Ten Media Days because he doesn't shy away from the pressure. He doesn't shy away that they've lost two times in a row. He won't say the name of the team they've lost to, but he will not shy away from that. Look, I thought Billy Napier in the SEC was really good. I wanted to get Napier because uh, Billy Napier off the record is not Billy Napier on camera. Billy Napier on camera is very measured with his words, and and sometimes he can, he can make you doze off a little bit. But if you really get him engaged, for instance, I asked him about the state of recruiting in Florida, what that's like on a day-to-day -day basis. Total knife fight right now. And they had some egg on their face because of the NIL thing with Jaden Rashada. And he didn't mince words, man. And he also really accurately described what it's like, the mentality you have to have. And I was leaned in. We had him for 15 minutes. That was really good. Uh, Saban probably went as far as he's willing to go in just telling you we're going total sledgehammer this year. I think Kirby Smart was real fun talking about how laughable it is when people still question his staffing decisions even after all the results. And uh, Mike Loxley at Maryland. I thought he had a lot of good things to say as well. Yeah, and he's been very vocal about name, image, likeness, and, and that being more than just a facility. Um, are you buying the South Carolina hype, Josh? So here's what I want you to do. I, 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 asked, the, I asked everyone this about Texas, so I got to start asking about South Carolina. What do we constitute as a good season for well, them? Well, I think if they continued to climb the staircase that Tennessee's trajectory is on. That's how, I mean, they've got, they've got a, their quarterback's driving a G-Wagon now. Like, that comes <laughs> with expectation. Yeah. Uh, so, I, are they the Kentucky of last year, or are they the Tennessee of last year? They don't have to win 11 games, but can they get a 9 or 10? Like, that's, that's the next level where Beamer continues to climb the ladder a bit. 10 is so hard. Look at the helmet grid schedule here. 10 is so hard. It's really hard. Like, for instance... By the time we get to October, 
This is why I don't I don't really bash the SEC for this eight game conference thing. By the time South Carolina gets to October, they will have played North Carolina neutral site. But then they go to Athens and to Knoxville. And it's not October yet. They could very easily be a three loss team already. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I mean, you still got Florida at A&M. You still got Clemson to go. So I think the quality of the team can improve. But that doesn't always pan out in this linear progression of seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. I expect them to be a challenger. I expect them to be competitive. I, I don't know. Whatever Vegas has their over-under win total at, I don't know that I would go nine yet. Like, I think an eight-win season, again, could be really good. Yeah, and that, they, they go on these spurts, right? Uh, like the end of the season last year. Uh, Josh Pate, always great. Loving uh, late kick like everyone else. Keep up the great work, man. Thank you for joining us in the inside. I appreciate it. Josh Pate there. Um, Late Kick Josh is where you can follow him on social, 24-7 sports as well. Coming up, Ben Maller jumps in the mix. Fox Sports Radio host. We'll discuss Otani, all of the craziness in college football, and the top headlines, including gambling in college sports, specifically at Iowa and Iowa State. That's next on Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow, right across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow with a well-deserved day off. Michael McHenry joins us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll dive back into some top headlines. We're going rapid-fire headlines right now with Ben Maller, host of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. I don't know when you sleep, Ben, uh, from 2 to 6 a.m. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what is your schedule like? Oh, you don't want to know. I, I'm like a vampire. I, uh, Did you just not... wake up, or have you just gone straight through since the show? Well, as you know, we are, we're doing many things here. So I actually have been awake for a little bit because I had to do some podcast stuff that I had to do for uh, a side hustle that I have. Well done. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, so but normally I'm normally sleeping around this time. Uh, but I don't, I don't, it's very hard to sleep during the day, as you, as you would probably I would, know. I would guess, yeah. But I, I, I was thinking about that. Like, that's why I say thank you for coming on, because I'm, I'm assuming this would be the time where you're getting a little rest. No, no, I love doing it. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, it'd be, it'd be fun to come out with you guys. And we did it last time. It went yeah. well, so we're back again. And, uh, yeah, I don't get much sleep during the week. I try to catch up on my sleep on the weekends. When you do the overnight shift, it's, it's hard to get a lot of sleep. And I'm not a good sleeper anyway. So on the weekends, I'll catch up a little bit. But I'm fine. You have time down the line to sleep, right? As long it's good to have a job. It's better to have employment than not sleep and we're um, dead. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Ben, ben Maller with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, on on the West Coast, what is the discussion like of Otani and the Angels not trading him, which is a, a surprise. And the one topic that I I wasn't considering was, well, who could sign Otani? Uh, how about the Angels? Can they prove to him that they're the team that he should stay with? 
Yeah, so this has become a polarizing topic among the uh, the Hardo baseball fans because it's it's almost like politics. Because you have people who think the Angels should have traded Otani. It's incompetence, a dereliction of duty that they didn't trade him. And then you've also got this weird mix because the the rumor is Otani's if he leaves the Angels, he's going to go to the Dodgers, so just up the road from where the Angels play, and he ends up not being traded. I actually like the fact that the angels didn't do it because it's so unorthodox and people are getting so upset that they didn't trade him. But I'll tell you what, I heard from people over there that I know at Anaheim in Anaheim where the angels play that Artie Marino, the owner, he really believes that there is a big time chance that Otani stays and resigns with the angels, which would really upset a lot of the baseball community who are expecting Otani to go to a bigger stage somewhere, a more high profile team yeah. than the Angels. And, uh, but, and, and, and maybe Marino's wrong, but people said the same thing about Mike Trout when he was potentially going to be a free agent in a couple of years. And then Trout signed a forever contract. With the Angels. So there is a past where a player that was expected to leave and go to the Yankees or the Phillies or some East Coast team ended up staying with the Angels. I I don't see the Angels being able to pay what Otani's going to get unless he's willing to take less. I mean, the, the other possibility is Artie Marino, the owner, tried to sell the team. He considered selling the team in the offseason. So maybe he sells a percentage of the team. And then some Japanese conglomerate comes in that has a lot of money and they can afford to pay Otani. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be fascinating. But as far as to answer your question, it's, it's pretty split because uh, people are like, we got to get the prospects. I'm on the other side, as I said, though, because most of these young players in the minor leagues do not live up to the billing. I like Otani. I'd rather watch Otani for two months. I like that they're going for it because so many teams just give up. It's like the trendy thing to do yeah. in the last you know, it's five, 10 years, just throw in the towel. I, I've gone full circle on this. Um, or, uh, I did a 180, I should say, because I was, I was like, if you have the opportunity to trade him, you know he's walking, you got to get something instead of just letting him walk. Uh, but thinking about the historical aspect of who he is and what he represents to the game, I wouldn't want to be the team that trades Babe Ruth, like the Red Sox. And, you know, that's also historically, you know, lauded or uh, uh, they're the, the butt of the joke, so to speak. I wouldn't want to trade this version of Babe Ruth. Uh, that, maybe I'm crazy there, but you've got to go for it. And if you're keeping him, I like the fact that they bought. They, they didn't sell. They bought in. They're trying to get to the third spot in the wild card. And I hope they do because I hope we get more Otani in the postseason. Yeah, it was, to watch him play would be great because he hasn't had a chance to to do that. And, of course, they picked up Lucas Giolito, who went out against the Braves this week, and I uh, I think he puked all over the mound there the other day. <laughs> but, uh, but but no, Otani, he's, he's great to watch. The only difference, and I'm on keep Otani. I'm on that team, as I said. The only difference here is that Babe Ruth could not have left the Red Sox. He wasn't about to become a free agent. I, they, they traded him. But he wasn't going to be a free agent. Like, Otani can leave. That's obviously the big difference. If the Red Sox had not traded him to finance some play, then he would have conceivably spent his entire career in Austin, and the whole thing would have been much different. And who knows if the Yankees – maybe the Yankees would be like the Orioles or something if that had happened. Who knows? Ben Maller with us. Final thing on Otani. I I would love to see him in the free agent bidding war and all the visits and things that would be taking place. It would be something we haven't seen. I mean, it would be – Peyton Manning, Tom Brady-esque, uh, and, and, and more than that, based on the money involved and the teams and the suitors that would be involved in trying to get him. 
Absolutely. First of all, I agree with you. It'd be uh, the summer of LeBron when he was changing yes, teams yes. and that whole thing a few years back. Uh, it would be great. Although I don't know Otani. Obviously, I don't. Uh, but from what I've heard from people that have dealt with him, he's kind of you know shy, kind of quiet guy. He's not. I don't know if he's that personality where he would fully embrace the dog and pony show that would be the circus that would be going out and meeting with all the teams. But it, you, you could have the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the biggest money teams in baseball. I don't think the Braves because they don't need them at this point. Uh, but uh, the big money teams would be throwing, throwing all kinds of dough around and they'd be whining and dining him. And um, it'd be great for guys like us that do sports conversation, sports chat, right? It'd be it wonderful. would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, ben Maller with us on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Uh, the the new version of Yahoo Sports and their investigation team are state government and uh, criminal investigations for gambling for the NCAA. The NCAA always reacted to the reports and the the insider reporting of sites like Yahoo before they figured out anything. How do you think they're? What's going on internally at the NCAA offices? Now, knowing what Iowa and Iowa State and what the, the criminal charges are coming with on betting, not just betting, but betting on the team that they represent and play for, and knowing that this is going on everywhere. Thousands of athletes are betting based on the fact that they have the phone on their app. And I mean, oh, it's not the NFL. The app's not going to report me. What, what can be done because the NFL is so gung-ho uh, uh, on uh, um, the integrity, protecting the integrity, optics. College, college athletics it must be aware of that too, especially considering the scandals that we've seen in the past. Yeah, so the Iowa State and Iowa thing, like when I saw the headlines, I was like, oh, no, there, there were shaving points. There was uh, that right. kind of, That's not it. I mean, this is – It wasn't. Guys betting ten bucks on a parlay card on their phone, which is not great, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't rise to that level. And and HUD, if you want a good laugh, go back and look at some of the quotes from Roger Goodell and some of the executives in sports about ten years ago oh, about evils of gambling and how you can never have yeah. it, and we must protect, we must protect the integrity of the game until those giant cartoon checks start popping up, and then they're like, well, you know, it's uh, we can manipulate that, we can we can spin that. <laughs> Um, but it, it is going to be interesting how the federal government wants to handle this, because as you you stated, any college campus, if you want to get a bunch of football players, basketball players or any athletes, and these are young people, these is what they do. They don't realize the, the, the trouble they're going to get in. Uh, not that that absolves them from doing it, but this is not like uh, a high crime in my mind, but I, I like to gamble from time to time, but you can't be doing it if you're playing on the team, but there, there is a little bit of a feeling out process, right? Cause this is still relatively new. And unfortunately these guys are going to be used as an example. You never want to be used as an example, right? But they will be used as an example for future college football players. Like, Hey, you can be the starting quarterback at a kind of a you know medium sized college and if you get dinged, you're done. Uh, that's it. Game over. So it becomes a teachable moment. But you're not going to completely clean it up. I mean, look at the uh, the the volume. And I bet you this is just the tip of it that we, yeah. we were hearing. About. I mean, there's probably hundreds and hundreds of guys, especially in the NFL, that are like, oh, no. Like they're, they're like, hope they don't catch me. Uh, you know, I was like, well, boy, what a mess. Well, and the NFL, the uh, spokesperson on the conference call a couple months ago, whenever – 
she was asked about, you know, are you considering changing the policy? It was a, it was a hard no. And I'm thinking, well, wait until a couple of these top-tier quarterbacks are popped. Not, not for betting on the league, but suspended because they bet on the UFC pay-per-view. For, and now they're out six games. That's when the owners will change the rule and modify it to where it's betting on, on the league or not. It didn't, that, that should be clear-cut. I, I you, hit, you hit on the, uh, the facility Wi-Fi as you pull into the lot. That, that it's ridiculous that if you if you're bet and there you can bet at home, but you can't do it in your car uh, while you're sitting at work, and it has nothing to do with the league that they represent. That's too far, um, and it would take the quarterbacks to change the policy right now. So far, it's not a big number of players. I think it, it the the assumption is it's a it's a you know it's more than ten, and it ten's a very low number to me. And they're role players for the most part that are being suspended and popped for this. Yeah, it's true. And, and I heard, I had a, a friend of mine that, that worked back in the old days and there was a big cocaine problem in the NFL and all, you know, it was very popular. Yeah. Some people back in the day. And uh, he, he swore to me that there were several headline quarterbacks that, that had been dinged with, with doing it, but the NFL covered it up because it would have been devastating for the the league. Now this maybe he just made that up, but he told me years ago he swore that they had the evidence and they they looked the other way and I you do wonder like if a top-notch, you know, one of the five top quarterbacks, you're talking the class of Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, somebody like that, we find out they're they're betting uh, 14 parlays and they're doing it from the team facility. Like, what would the NFL do? Uh, you know, they like unless the police were involved, they would likely kind of. I would think they would push that for financial reasons under the rug. But yeah, they they've got to change. I agree with you, Hud. They got to change some of these rules here because it's it's just they're lacking common sense. Just have I know many people are lacking common sense, but that that just seems that they they pushed it a little too far on this. And they've got to figure it out. It's going to take a, a few more years to kind of figure out what can be allowed, what can't be allowed. But if the FBI is going to continue to lurk around, then uh, all bets are off. And it, we, I'm keeping tabs on this, but I, it, it's a no-brainer here. Uh, they're not going to announce suspensions of the top-tier quarterbacks in December, or January, or February. It's all going to be in the offseason. They're not going to announce suspensions for, from what FanDuel or DraftKings or whoever reports in the middle of the season. They'll wait till the offseason. That's when the findings will happen and the digging really goes on. Ben, final thing. Uh, Tua in Miami. Where do you put the Dolphins with the talent they have and they're running it back with Tua without much help as, as far as the backups go? Um, and do you... Do you think Tua's in a good spot, or do you think we're we're running it back with the same injury his, history and now the concussions that, I mean, he is the face of concussion protocol now? Yeah, so I love what the, the Dolphins roster looks like. I mean, how could you I not? do too. They've, I do too. They've loaded up, and it's a, it's a very difficult division with the Bills and the Jets there, so they're in a, in a tough spot in the AFC East. I don't trust that Tua can stay healthy. That's the thing. So, like, yeah, if you could tell me right now, okay, I got the crystal ball here. Tua's going to play in, you know, 16 of the 17 games. He'll be healthy for the playoffs. Okay, we got something. And I, I love Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator. I think he's going to really improve the Dolphins' defense, which wasn't terrible 
uh, last season. So they'll be better defensively. But Tua, I know he did jujitsu and all this other stuff to try to avoid concussions. But once you get down that rabbit hole, maybe I'm wrong on this, Hutch, but normally the guys that usually get concussions, it doesn't all of a sudden stop on a dime. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just kind of continues on. And so you play the position. It's it's part of the job. And so that's that's why I downgrade the Dolphins, because I believe, if I'm not wrong, Mike White, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's the backup. The backup. Yeah. And, and Skylar Thompson. That, that, I mean, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't think, I don't think they've planned very well uh, based on what they have as backup options uh, as a, compared to, you know, Teddy Bridgewater that they had uh, last year. Uh, ben Maller, the Ben Maller show, uh, get some rest, man. And uh, <laughs> 2 a.m. I know uh, is the middle of the day for you. Uh, when I'm a night owl. So if I'm, you know, prepping for the show the next day, I've got you on. Keep up the great work. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go take a nap or something right now. But Good luck. Thank you. Good luck. Ben Maller there. Uh, always great uh, insight and analysis uh, and nice enough uh, for to join us uh, today. And uh, I love what he said about Otani and the options the Angels now have. They have a much greater chance now proving that they can win and being a buyer at the deadline to prove to Otani who wants to win that they could do it in L.A. with the Angels and not the Dodgers. Coming up, a fan posted a ticket thinking it was for $500. Instead, it was $5. We'll tell you which game next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton here, wrapping up another uh, fun show today. Chad Withrow back next week. Well-deserved time off. Michael McHenry on a day off from Major League Baseball. Nice enough to, to sit in in Chad's seat. I love the backdrop, by the way. Yeah, I wanted to show off. I'm, I'm, I've been collecting uh, balls since I was a kid. I'm trying to do an entire wall. I'm getting closer and closer every day. But, uh, yeah. Well, how do you choose to collect them versus just, you know, just another baseball? They're all signed. So I, I get players I respect. I get every catcher I can from every team. I think that's just a cool way to do it. And then I try to get some of the coaches. Um, got some really good ones. It started as a kid. My uncle gave me a Hank Aaron ball, and that kind of nice. opened up Pandora's box. My first autographed baseball was from a pitcher, Felix Heredia, with the mm. Marlins, in town nice. with, uh, the, with the Marlins in, in Atlanta. And then uh, – Second was Randy Johnson with the Diamondbacks, and it, so uh, dropping on me. I see the uh, the first first row. You don't realize you're so you're very you're very high off of the the field, right? Even first row, and mm -hmm. you're way taller than the players that would come up and sign. And I just remember being like uh, eye level with Randy Johnson when he came up. That's when I uh, I figured out how tall he was. Uh, you know other than what the TV could show. Yeah, I feel like I'd need a couple flight of stairs to even be eye level with him. I mean, that is a big human being. Somebody I wish I could have faced. I was around his last year, I believe. Yeah, they say it was just remarkable how it came out of his hand. But yeah, he looked like an axe murderer on the mound too. You know you're great whenever he can give a pitch away, but he still strikes you out, even though you know what pitch is coming based on whatever the tell was with his glove. Uh Excellent. Now he's a, a photographer or something. 
I was about to say, what, what about it? Get to follow two of your passions. How cool is that? It's great. Uh, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall when, when whoever put these tickets up for sale on the secondary market, Tennessee and Georgia, and what is going to be an amazing atmosphere at Neyland Stadium. Uh, lower level seats, and they're for sale, a pair of them for sale for $5, not $500. And it happened across the same section, but across the section on a, a, the, the row, $6 tickets were also sold, not $600. Oh. And so uh, the fees, the, the processing fees on uh, whatever site they used to buy these tickets was higher than the ticket price for 5 or $6. Total price was like $28 to, to get in for <laughs> Tennessee, Georgia. Would you resell or would you take advantage of a bargain and go to the game. I would feel like I got a gift. I mean, that game's going to be epic. It's going to be an amazing game. Anything at Nayland Stadium is special. So I would feel like somebody gave me a gift. And if I was on the reverse end, I'd be like, hey, that's a great tax write-off. Maybe I can kind of spin this in a positive way since I just gifted $500 tickets away and had to pay the fees. Man, that's just absolutely terrible. Has anything like that ever happened to you? No, but so, no, it hasn't. But I, 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 if I have tickets, I'm going. I'm not trying to resell. Yeah. Um, or I'm finding a buddy who wants to go, and you know they'll give me cash and face value. Um, I will say, though, I wouldn't buy tickets right now. Um, this far out from the game, who knows what goes down with Tennessee. Is Joe Milton hurt, you know, and, and they're playing Georgia? I wouldn't buy this far out because the resale value could go down as much as it could go up and skyrocket. That's that's truth. And I got spun one time. I my wife was going to take me to Justin Timberlake in Nashville. We yeah. got duped. We got duped. Really, four hundred dollars lost. But because she's an absolute saint, she went and found tickets. We got in. Still got to see the concert. Had to pay double the price. But at the end of the day, I got to see JT in concert. But yeah, you never know. It could go both ways. So you but found you're out right, as you're you're going into the arena. You found out then. Yeah, they're like these aren't real. <laughs> like what? Yeah, that sucks, got, man. Yeah, it, it happens. Life, that that person, they'll come back to bite him at some what point. What did you pay for them? Yeah, about 400 bucks for the two, and then we ended up paying about 400 bucks a piece to get in. So was, we weren't going to not go. Was it worth it? It was absolutely worth <laughs> it. He gives an absolute epic concert. If you haven't seen him, I mean, he his talent level is off the charts. Obviously, all, all the dramatics, but he, he played a harmonica. He beatboxed. Garth Brooks jumped out. So, yeah, it was definitely worth it. You only live once, Hut. Uh, this is this may uh, make you upset. Uh, I had the good fortune of being at Jerry Jones's Pro Football Hall of Fame private party, and Justin Timberlake Hello. was the entertainment. Excuse a thousand me. people on the back nine of the Canton Country Club, and uh, JT performed in front of a thousand people in there. I had no business being inside that tent. The Dallas Cowboys <laughs> cheerleaders picked you up in a golf cart and took and drove you to the back nine. Are you and, kidding? And then you had JT perform on stage. It was great. Wow. Wow. That, that's a chance of a lifetime. Congratulations. That, uh, you got my number next time. Just, just yeah. saying. Yeah. Davey Hudson uh, would only do this for Creed. He's very disappointed. The Creed crew sold out in, in sold record fashion. Sold out. Yeah, we're did still... You, did you join the, the wait list? No, I have not joined the wait list. It's, I know it's only 200 to join, but I, I couldn't get confirmation on whether that was a refundable $200 or not. Did you see the crowd for Nickelback the other night? 
jam. No. Jam packed. Were they at Bridgestone? Yeah. Huh. Like slammed. I don't know if they uh, set a record for attendance or not, but I saw a ton of social media posts from people I had no idea enjoyed Nickelback. What about Taylor Swift uh, causing an earthquake? Anybody, anybody hear about that one? Out in Seattle, yeah. The uh, set a seismograph. Record. Set a sound record for that stadium, too. What was the loudest stadium you were in ever? It's always an indoor. So Milwaukee gets really loud. Houston gets really loud. Anything that can shut and you're kind of in a container. Yeah. Super loud because it echoes in there. Davey, uh, going back to the ticket story, Tennessee, Georgia will be on fire for the fan base message boards oh, yeah. across the sites. Uh, we, we have a, a social media and message board post uh, every now and then, Michael, and uh, Davey's bringing some to us now from the past week or two. Yeah, so this one comes to us uh, from Tuesday, actually. But Oklahoma-USC, I guess that has developed into some sort of a rivalry at time. I mean, obviously, they're different conferences, but they've had some post-season uh, matchups throughout the years. But one that just kind of came out of nowhere, and I wouldn't just be bringing this to you unless there was something more to the story. But if you remember back to... I think it was 2017. I might be a year or two off on that. But USC long snapper Jake Olson, who was the first ever blind long snapper, yeah. or first blind D1 football player, I was able to go into a game against Western Michigan and snap it, and uh, USC made the kick. Well, for whatever reason, on an Oklahoma message board, somebody by the name of Soxman of the Americas decided to go, <laughs> F those losers, Jake Olson wasn't blind. and. You know, okay, that's not worthy of, of bringing it forward, but, you know, I always love it when the athletes are willing to play along. And so Jake Olson managed to <laughs> respond and on Twitter, or can I, can I say Twitter now or do I have to change, change the I'm name? Always I'm not changing Twitter. I'm not changing it. But Jake Olson said, I have no comment at this time. And then, <laughs> just kind of tying this back into the Tennessee story, uh, Tennessee's kicker last year, Hut, actually Chase McGrath, was at USC when Olson was a long snapper and Chase tweeted out, quote tweeted uh, Olsen saying the secret is out. And then just to add a little bit more fun to it, Olsen came back with saying loose lips sink ships. <laughs> so He's not faking. Have you heard the story of uh, Shaq's story about Stevie Wonder? I Where haven't. They were living in the same condominium complex, which I'm sure was fantastic. And Stevie Wonder is on the elevator, and Shaq gets on the elevator, and they're standing there. And Stevie Wonder looks at Shaq and goes, what's up, Diesel? <laughs> and he didn't say a word to him. And he's like, how did you know I'm st standing here? You know, that it's me. And so Sha Shaquille O'Neal believes that Stevie Wonder is not blind. There's a lot of people that believe he's not blind. It, it's, it's weird. I don't know if it even originated from there. Did you ever watch the SNL skit where uh, they were doing a Canon <laughs> oh, camera yeah. commercial? It's just like, it's so easy. Stevie Wonder can use it. And the, 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 it was hilarious because of the photos that came back. Uh, but here's where I come down to, like, it, you really think people would fake this. The, the attention to detail, to be able to pull this off, not for a week or two, for your entire life. Uh, there's no way you go through life pretending to be blind. Yeah. And, and too, Hut, you, you got to think, if you're going to understand anybody got in an elevator, first off, they're probably staying at an incredible place, like you said. Yeah. The dude probably sounds like a dinosaur coming onto the elevator. Maybe. He's, he's seven feet tall, 300 pounds. You know he made a lot of noise. So he's like, oh, yeah, the only other 
dude that can make that noise is probably Andre the Giant, so it's probably Diesel. Yeah, and the other senses are certainly heightened when you lose <laughs> one, they say. So, yeah, maybe so. But Shaq, like, maintains that he doesn't buy the, the blindness of Stevie Wonder, which I think is hilarious. It, it closed down, but I went to a place in Atlanta one time, and I, I looked it up. It was called Dialogue in the Dark. But it's pretty much this exhibit to where you experience what it would be like to be blind. So they walk you through all these mm. rooms, uh, whether you're at the grocery store, you're just in a living room, you're going for like a, a hike on a little bit of like a wooded terrain of something of that nature. And you're actually led by a blind tour guide and you don't get to see the tour guide until afterwards. And so, it, I mean, it is completely pitch black. Like I almost got lost in there. And of course they're having to make sure like, all right, you're just talking, everybody's out of this room. I just thought it was a really neat experience. And one of the, the interesting things, and really, if you, you think about it for people that they were just talking about dreams, Michael, I, I go down a rabbit hole when it comes to I the dreams experience. So for people that are blind, if you were born blind, when you dream, you don't actually have any vision. Like there, there's no like visualization that's to it. You just dream with sounds. But if you mm. were able to see and then you become blind, you still dream in picture. And so, but everything that you're basing your, your dreams off of, it is what you remember seeing at that time. So obviously you're not going to, it was 20 years ago is appliances change. You're still going to see those appliances that you remember from 20 years ago in, in time. And I just thought like having a conversation with the, our tour guide, I, I forgot his name, but he actually went blind from a motorcycle accident and him just walking through everything that led to him being at this uh, exhibit was just very interesting. And I think there's, there's one more exhibit like this in the country. Unfortunately, that one in Atlanta shut down. I was in, this would have been like early 2010s when I went to that, but I just thought that was a super cool experience and just gave you a different uh, perspective on people that are blind and being able to, even though it was only for a couple of hours, see what it would be like to be in their shoes. Well, I, in our former studio was over at, uh, at Blackbird Studio here in Nashville with John McBride, a state-of-the-art uh, studio, recording studio. And he built this uh, multi-million dollar studio where they've got all these wood planks and different things across the room. And one of his audio en engineers is blind. And what he did is he put him in the middle of the room and then had speakers and different things around the room. And the guy, when you play music in there, he could figure out what, where the sound was bouncing off of. And then wow. they put him in one studio and then they brought him into this state-of-the-art facility with Bose, I think, was a partner on it. And they had speakers all, all around the room. They have a desk in the middle. He didn't know that. And he couldn't figure out where the objects were in the room because it's so perfect with how they've fixed the audio capabilities of this Studio C, I believe. And he, he told John at the time, he's like, um, I, would, I could die in here. Like, because he had no bearing of where things were. Wow. I, I was fascinated by that because that's, I mean. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for the time today, Michael. It's been great. Uh, and you're welcome back anytime. Uh, even, you know, we've got, I believe, Schilling on next week, right? Schilling next week. But if you want to pop on again, you're more than welcome to. If you get bored, if you have a day off and you want to work, let us know. Hey, I'd love, I'd love to. I love you guys. You guys are absolutely outstanding. First class all the way. And always have a blast, especially the weird things. I never know what's coming. And I actually may try that Skittle. I, I kind of want to know. Uh, there's an online sweepstakes. You better hurry. Last I checked, they, they weren't 
looking to get some more back in stock. But if I find them, Michael, I, I promise I'll hold on to some for you. I don't know if you know, our boy Hutt has, has some pull. I mean, he's in the back nine <laughs> with JT, Jerry Jones, and he's getting uh, rides by the uh, uh, cheerleader. So I, I think he can get the, some skittles for us. Trust no, me, I, I got terrible looks at this. Who the hell is this guy? Back at it tomorrow. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network.